Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer Cahill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited to have a dear new friend of mine, Sean Stone, on the show today, who is an incredible television host, a film producer, among many other accolades, as well as a coach and workshop facilitator. So before we dive into today's episode of Regarding Consciousness, I want to read to you a little bit from Sean's bio so you have a better sense of who he is in the world and the many accomplishments that he has under his belt. Sean Stone is more than a media host. The former host of Buzzsaw, as seen on the Lip TV and Gaia, brings his spiritual perspectives and new interviews to you directly with interviews on Iconic. You can also find these conversations and much more on his Patreon page. So Sean, I'm so grateful we connected. It was so serendipitous when you and I met in Portugal a few weeks ago, and we realized that actually last year in 2021, we were going to potentially do a show together, and then the threads got kind of entangled, and it never happened, and now we have the opportunity to do this together. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, there was moving involved. I, I, I know I was moving. Um, <laughs> I think you moved. So uh, anyway, we're kind of more settled now, um, as I saw you in Portugal, and uh, I'm here in Florida. Yeah, it's amazing, Sean. And I love that right away. I think the reason we connected is our mutual friends who are all equally interested in consciousness. So one of our mutual friends, Deepak Chopra, who actually was the opening uh, episode for us on regarding consciousness here. And so talk to us a little bit, Sean, you're on the spiritual journey, you're a TV, a media host, a personality, a filmmaker, how did you come to be on this particular journey of consciousness, and bringing consciousness to media in particular? Oh, wow. I mean, for me, it's it's been an exploration of consciousness because fundamentally, look, media media is about consciousness. Um, arguably, going back to the ancient Medes in, in Persia and like magicians, essentially, right? The Magi were, you know, were basically uh, magicians. And they, um, how do you say, you, you look at the ancient world, uh, Egypt uh, in particular, but I mean, certainly I'm sure Babylon and um, these traditions of of the priesthood had a huge influence right in that world and the mythologies that were that were created whether or not it's obviously inspired by something real i mean whether or not it's <laughs> exactly real it's like that's what people are always curious about you know how how true is this are the stories of aliens and alien gods and things like this but the idea of that basically um mediators between the the spiritual world right which i always say the imagination is spiritual mm -hmm. it connects us to it to uh to that elusive to that um that plane which is not that physical necessarily but does become physicalized by the way that it affects us mm -hmm. if we realize that things that we put into our minds affect our reality affect how we operate affect how we behave just the same way if you know if you have a nightmare and you wake up from a nightmare and your your heart is racing right and you're sweating or you're you know you're <laughs> screaming right that's you see like the, the mental plane the this the, this this um psychological plane actually is affecting our physical reality so the idea of mediating a media right mediating between uh the psychic realm you know spiritual realms and physical rea reality is so important and i understood that since i again intuitively i understood it since i was a kid because i grew up in around media my father was obviously a major filmmaker he was getting awarded he was uh, known internationally making films that were impacting millions of people 
uh, and then also getting attacked, you know, both, you know, the critics and all this, but like, there's, there's the, the praise and there's also the detractors and especially with a film like JFK, which was so attacked by the media, so vilified by the mainstream media as a, a distortion of history and made up and a fantasy and all these things. So I understood very well. And obviously watching TV as a kid, just watching the march to the first Iraq war in 1990 and 91, watching uh, the march to war in Yugoslavia um, in, uh, in, in not Yugoslavia, actually, well, Yugoslavia first, but then basically the uh, Serbian Kosovo mm -hmm. war in uh, what, 97, 98 time period. So all these marches to war, 98, 99, it was like there was march to war before the war starts. So that's what that's where the psychological domain plays in. You see, it's like they have to sort of seed the idea. They have to plant it into the consciousness, repeat it, repeat it, bring it from the mental plane into the physical reality so that we manifest it and we allow it to be manifested. And that's why media and consciousness are so important to, for us to get a handle on and recognize who's planting the seeds in my consciousness, who's in, who's manipulating my reality, who's telling me what is what is what to believe and what is truth. These are the important things for every one of us to work on. And for me, this has always been like my curiosity and and why I've done the the work I've done. It really is astounding, Sean. When you think about it, when you think of how media has exploded, if you consider social media, for example, and all of the gamification of human beings, if you really look at it, I know in your documentary that you were doing on metahuman, you start to talk about the idea of transhumanism and these other ideas of what is real, really, as my friend Don Hoffman and Deepak always remind us. And so, how do we begin to sort through, Sean? The, this episode, the show, of course, is called Regarding Consciousness, and we want to understand how do we take the reins back of our consciousness so that these wild ideas, if you imagine them, kind of like these Clydesdale stallions, these big horses, are running amok in our lives, and yet nobody is holding the reins to them. And the reins yeah. is our consciousness that then we can direct or have directed for us. So how do we begin to differentiate that? How to begin to differentiate... What, what, when, what, when we're talking about consciousness in media, you, you just so saliently touched on, Sean, that the idea that in media, it is so pervasive, and for better or for worse, whatever we are seeing or consuming, whether it's social media, traditional television or film, all of this media is pervasive and is having an impact on us. And so in my experience, we have a choice in what we choose to allow into our consciousness and to impact us or not. So how do we begin to differentiate that? To me, consciousness is oneness. I know some that people, people vary on how they, they perceive consciousness, right? It's like, there's, you know, you could say like, well, my consciousness is different from your consciousness, but I look at it more like there's one consciousness and for us to even experience each other and to interact with each other and to connect energetically with each other indicates that one consciousness, but there's my perception, which is predicated on my identifier, my ego, um, sense of self. And even if, even without the ego, there is still an identifier. There's still a point of view. Even mm -hmm. if I go to a higher self perspective, right? There's still a point of view that's seeing things. There's always a, a point of view, a choice of a view, right? No matter how you, you frame it, you, there's maybe infinite numbers of points of view, but if you take any one of those, that becomes a perspective. Right. So the beauty of this reality is that we have this consciousness of, you know, this planet and beyond, which is alive, which is diverse, multifaceted, 
And we have all these different perspectives. And even within our own life, we're shifting, we're shifting our perspectives. Every time we're moving, you know, we're slightly shifting our perspective, you know, whether it's shifting your perspective of what's right in front of you, or even just in the process of that motion in your life, in the energies, you start to shift your perspective slightly. When it comes to cho choosing, yes, like there's, there are awakening processes, right? Where you go through like, I don't, well, I no longer want to consume mainstream media, for example. And I made those choices, you know, probably a decade ago because I just, I didn't like being lied to. I was tired of it. I mean, really from, as I mentioned, the march to wars, the, the march through Iraq and the lies across, you know, whether it was politicians, all of all, both parties, all the mainstream networks lying about the, uh, the weapons of mass destruction, the need for war. I just didn't like being lied to anymore. And a lot of people don't, you know, they don't care. Like, I guess that's the point. That's why they haven't turned off the mainstream media. They're like, oh, well, you lied to me before, but that's okay. I'll trust you next time, you know, or people like my father who read the New York Times, even though they, he knows how manipulative the media is because he's trying to basically discern for himself. So I think each of us has to make our decision as to what we choose to engage with and for what reason. A lot of people want to read or engage with the mainstream news just so they feel like they can be part of the conversation. They want to feel informed. Or as Mark Twain said, you know, if you're reading the media, you're probably misinformed. <laughs> so <laughs> the point is they want to be part of the conversation. And this is so interesting where it's like, how can you be aware of what's going on without feeling sucked into it? And this is, I think, the internal process of just getting hold, as you say, of the reins, which is our responses. How do we respond when the world is giving us false information, false narratives, lies, ridiculous narratives? You know, how do you respond to that? And there's a part of us that gets outraged. I was outraged through most of 2020 by what was going on, what was being said, the, this, this, the perpetual lies, the, the the false narratives that have been constructed. And ever since then, it's like, it still feels like an upside down world. I think I've gotten to a place of more humor about it, being able to just watch it as a show and be more amused than trying to then letting myself to be sucked in. Because it's really ultimately about my, how I can respond to these things that I, yes, I like to limit. I don't want to be as engaged with, but it, part of being in the cultural dialogue is to be aware of these things, right? So, you know, if we are for Amish, for example, and we're just tending to the farm. I mean, yeah, we, we're probably not engaged in the cultural dialogue. Um, and there are many people obviously around the world who are choosing to be more focused on what's right in front of them in their, you know, in their Dharma, whether it's, you know, whatever, maybe doing their work, uh, going to, going to the land, going to nature, um, connecting to themselves, everyone has a different, obviously, perspective. Because I still feel that I'm working in this realm of media, mediation, I have to just become more calm. <laughs> and, yeah, and, become uh, responsive yeah. rather than reactive. I mean, I think that's human nature is we tend, I remember it was John Miguel Ruiz's book, I believe, The Four Agreements, where he says, don't take anything personally. So I'm going to tie this in actually to what you're saying. So there's don't take anything personally. And when Don Miguel Ruiz states this in his book, he says, if somebody says, Sean, you're the coolest guy I've ever met, you're the smartest, most handsome, most powerful, successful, blah, 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 don't take that personally. Or if somebody says, Sean, I hate you, I dislike you, you're ugly, you're stupid, blah, 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 don't take that personally. And what I'm hearing you say, Sean, with respect to media, actually ties into my friend Don Hoffman and what he states in the book, The Case Against Reality, Why Evolution Hid the Truth from Our Eyes. Don purports in the book that there is a 0% chance, media or not, 0% chance that we see the truth of reality. Because as animals and as we've adapted from an evolutionary impulse, and then you get into the consciousness of evolution as well, 
and what is doing the evolving, there is a 0% chance that anything we see is real, <laughs> that I'm seeing you as real, that the media is real. And so I think that it's all about interpretation. It's all about noticing, I think, how you feel is what I'm really present to as you're sharing this, Sean. What could be one person's truth? What maybe the media, it makes them feel safe, whatever their favorite news outlet is, sure. no judgment here, whatever people are choosing to watch or read or listen to, that it's almost like being in an unhealthy relationship. You know how sometimes you hear, unfortunately, and I've had dear friends who have been in abusive relationships, of someone who's in an abusive relationship, and maybe the lover or the person cheats and lies or physically harms or verbally harms, and yet we go back to them. And I think the bigger question for us as human beings and as a society is less about media and more about how do we break free from the harnesses and the shackles, if you will, that we are allowing ourselves to be shackled to, whether it's a person, an ideation, a media outlet. I think that the more we understand that those reins are always in our hand, we have a say in what we consider to be the capital T truth at any time, media, Otherwise, however we, whatever truth is, even the universe, source, God, whatever you want to call that, though we forget and we often find ourselves playing the blame game of what I like to call the drama triangle of hero, victim, perpetrator. And when we get into that, then the only way to extricate ourselves is to look at our views and see, are we blaming? Are we being accountable? And I think that's where the power and the freedom comes. Yes. Well, so what you just spoke on is it's interesting. I was at a beautiful conference this past weekend, uh, Aurea, uh, basically leadership for the golden age conference. Um, I spoke there, my partner, Kaya LA spoke, uh, Sarah G, um, Charles Eisenstein, uh, and many, many others, uh, Stephen Brooks, many other uh, brilliant, brilliant people and, and minds. And one of the, the, um, the shamans who spoke, or he's a, you know, he, I would say, uh, he's a shaman, he's a shaman in his own way. I don't know if he def- he's more of a coach, but I see him as a shaman. He talked about exactly this issue of the relationships and how it's based predicated on victim consciousness. And most of the narrative that's given to you in mainstream media is victim consciousness. And that's what's perpetuated across this planet for the most part, especially in the modern narrative. Uh, a lot of the liberal narrative in particular is victim consciousness. It's this notion of, of uh, victimizer, um, you know, it's like victim, 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 and, and, the, and the predator, but, but not in an honest way. I mean, it's not like uh, Jeffrey Epstein has been, you know, has Jeffrey Epstein and, and everything that he's done has been exposed, right? I mean, clearly, we haven't been honest with a lot of the predation from the political class from the elite class. But this overall blanket notion of um, how they how they pre- perpetuate, like, let's just say the war states, for example, we talked about uh, the march to war. Oh, there's this bad man, the new Adolf Hitler, which they call, you know, which they call Saddam, and then they called Milosevic, and then they called Saddam again, and they called Bin Laden, and they called Trump. <laughs> it's like there's always this new new Hitler. Now they call Putin, right? It's like this bad, evil, evil archetype, and he is, you know, cr- causing harm to others, and he is the abuser. And then we are here to save you. We are the savior class, right? The uh, the American, uh, whether it's the war or Fauci during the COVID era, the vaccines, and like always this archetype of you know victim, uh, vic- sorry, victimizer or, vi- or abuser, victims and and savior, and it's consistently yeah. this cycle. And the problem is until we get past that, you know, it's like we have to be honest with ourselves first of all. And what is the reason people are putting together false narratives or lying? Well, maybe because we're creating false expectations. 
we're creating false archetypes, uh, false um, structures, right? We're creating, this is the way things have to be. And if they don't accord to this, then you're bad and you're evil. Well, then if you're, if you're saying that and you're not looking at, how do you say, if you're not looking authentically at the, at the reality of things and how things actually work, then of course, you're going to end up with predator classes that have to evade and hide and lie. Because again, it's not just the class. It's like, there's different degrees of wrong. I always say the fundamental sin is to take that which is not given to you, right? So if you're a thief, if you're if you're a murderer, right? If you take if you're if you're har- if you're harming a child, you're taking what's not given to you. So to me, the only real victimization is of children. Because and that's the problem is that because children are, are victimized and it crosses our society as a whole. And it's not just sexual abuse. It's not just physical abuse. It's psychological abuse. Psych- children are basically the only real victims of our reality. And the problem is because children are the victims of our reality, they're psychologically abused. They're told to fit into a system that may not be, that's not organic or healthy or holistic or authentic to their, to, to what, you know, to what we see, because we're spiritual beings to come into this world. And we have such curiosity and openness and basically we're, told, no, you have to fit in. You have to go into this box, this classroom. You have to operate this way. You have to make money this way, right? And because we're, we're our, our mind, our psyche is so break, broken down, then we end up as perpetual children. Mm-hmm. So what happens is that we end up basically with this broken child. Also, there's the beautiful child inside. There's still the, the, the spirit of God that's working through the inner child that's still there. But we also have this broken child within us, psychologically damaged, right? And not again, not just from verbal and physical abuse, but psychological abuse. And that's what's going on. That's why we have this perpetuation of the, of the victim, I believe, is because there's this child in us that's scared, that thinks it's trying to conform to something. It doesn't know how to behave and it doesn't actually trust its own authenticity. So if we actually understood that we are the co-creators of our reality, if we actually stepped into that power, there would be no authority figure. There would be no one that we look to and say, I'm putting you on the pedestal. There would be no one that we that we would have to say, oh, you're my savior. There would be none of that because we would have so much of our inner power working through us that we would just realize I'm a star, you're a star, he's a star, she's a star. And we either we're like, you know what? We want to come together to create something or to vibe together or to, you know, to build something. And we, we energetically vibe or we don't. And we just move on. And we would get past this whole dynamic that we're in now of, you know, who's the abuser? Who's the victim? Who's the savior? It's like, because all of that is, is a broken system. It's not a vibrate high vibe system where, you know what, if your vibration is just not different, I'm not going to say you're, it's like, it's bad or good. It's just, that's a different vibration than where I'm at. And I can respect you to be in your sphere and you're going to attract people into your sphere and understand that the sphere that you're attracting is just not my vibration, you know, and that's where we need to go. Yeah. What I, what I'm hearing you say, Sean, and this reminds me of something Irvin Laszlo said to me two weeks ago in Italy. Uh, do you know Irvin Laszlo's work? Yeah, Irvin's amazing. We recently became friends and I had the fortune of getting to spend time with he and his wife in Tuscany. And over dinner the other night, he was my God. Oh, Sean, the story he told me talk about war being a Hungarian young boy during World War Two, and saying how he saw the house across the street get blown up. And he must have been, I think he told me he was 12 years old. And we're talking about this over dinner and I'm practically in tears. And I said, Irvin, oh my God, how did you handle that? And he said, you know, Jennifer, people, oh, it's going to tear me up to talk about this. He said, people often ask me, why is there evil in the world? Or what about the evil? You know, what about all the evil? And he said, I don't see evil in the world. I just see misguided people. 
And what if we could take the judgment out of it? Like here's a man and and Urban went on to tell me that, you know, he didn't go through any hardships. Here's a man who saw people blown up right in front of him, had to run through gunfire to get from place A to place B. And he said, I didn't go through any hardships. And so my question is this, is how do we shift away from the rightness and the wrongness and move into the vibrational alignment that you're talking about, Sean, because I think that's the bigger inquiry. The moment we label that thing as good or bad, right or wrong, evil or just, however you might want to label something, that's a very slippery slope because then you're very you're delineating this is acceptable, this is not acceptable. So how do we get into vibrational alignment, Sean, so that way we don't have to judge one another or ourselves for that matter, and we get to just be the vibrationally aligned human beings we're meant to be. This is the work of a lifetime. For me, it's empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what I've found in my own being, I've cracked open many times with like various experiences that were very that were trying to the soul, right? That challenged me at a, a, a soul at a physical like where you basically it's like where you basically recognize the limitation of physical reality, and all of a sudden the vibration of your spirit starts to to transcend it. And I think people have had these experiences with like near death experiences, right? Where they all of a sudden it's like, whoa, <laughs> I'm not in my body. I'm looking down at things, right? Or their own like facing with death for people, of, you know, how do you say when they've had Jedi moments, right? Where it's like all of a sudden you're confronted with something extremely dangerous and you just, you transcend the moment and you're, you're totally guided, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, I've had these points of like facing really, really dark things within myself and, and what felt like, you know, externally, like, almost demonic. And it's like there was a cracking open. And I started to connect to those dimensions that you can see, like when you're going to mushroom trips or ayahuasca, like they're very similar, but I've done it without it. Like without, I've done it with the, with the medicine, with the plants and without the medicine, you start to tune into the fact, wait a minute, I'm just energy. Like you said, there's no ego. It's like, you know, Sean is not me. Sean is an aspect, right? I know I am more than, than this incarnation. Mm-hmm. And when I tune in to what connects us, as I said at the beginning, in, con- in consciousness, we're connected. Energetically, we're connected. If I can allow myself to go into the empathy, and I would say, like, get curious with things. We don't, we lack curiosity with children have. And not, it's not just to say, like, curiosity, like, um, you know, poking around. It's like actually curiosity of feeling such that when I transcend myself and I tune into the energy and I can feel where someone else is, right? And literally feel their experience. And I've experienced this. I, I use this when I experienced jealousy, right? Like when in my twenties and stuff, I was like jealous of a situation, let's say a girl that I liked. And, and it's like, I would literally like go into the energy of the dynamic and, and transcend my own ego around it and just literally connect to, to, to the energy between her and let's say another man. And it's like, it brought me to another level. And each time that we do this, we are transcending ourselves. This is the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live such that we can literally feel, and this is what we feel actually with movies. Movies are practice for this. We can feel the joy or the sorrow of others and no longer tie it with ourselves. It's no longer about my, 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 you know, oh, I feel bad and I don't like that he feels good or she feels good. No, it's like literally I can tune into that frequency and rise with their vibration right and actually raise and, and actually like work energetically to to raise my myself because i appreciate and so value the feelings of others so this is where we're ultimately moving i believe is to be so empathetic that we're energetically attuned to people around us and even when we face dark situations to tune into them 
And if I'm in a better place than that person to raise my vibration, to actually help that person to rise, to rise with me. And I think this is the healing that we're going to be doing is that across the planet, like we're going to be doing more tuning in energetically, raising people's vibrations. Cause if that's what Christ was talking about, it's like when your state is so high, when your light is so pure that you literally can just essentially connect to that other person and raise them energetically because of where you are. Right. And that's the healing as we know, because ultimately that's all we are. We're just energy. So oftentimes, as we know, like we're, we're going into collapsed state, depressed states. We carry these anguishes. We carry these burdens. We carry these expectations within us. Oh, I've been wrong. The expectation was I was not going to be wrong. Then I got wrong and I can't let it go. And I'm holding on to it. But when you go into energy states, you transmute it so much more quickly, as you know, because you're no longer tied to the expectation of what happens. It's like, okay, that happened. Let's go into it. Let's feel it. Let's move it. Let's rise up. And it's it's like, and then all of a sudden you're just back into the joy, which is the bliss state that we are supposed to be in. This what we're born in, right? Is like this essential. We are the bliss, and yet we're born with this feeling of separation, which is the ultimate, like the as Kaya, uh, my partner calls the God wound. It's like we're born even when we're born from the vagina of the womb and everything that comes that that's like lost from that safety of the womb. It's like we've lost that. We feel separate. But if we can get energetically realized, we've never separated. We're always attuned to each other. We're always connected. This is how we align. And it's going to be a shift in how we recognize that we are just energy beings. We're not physical beings. I couldn't agree more, Sean. I had shared, I don't know if I shared this with you when we saw each other, but in, it was Paris. I think I was in Paris in April and I was listening to a particular meditation and as I was listening to it, I was on a car ride after Giverney, my husband's sitting next to me, and I start meditating, it's different chakras, and I get to the third eye chakra, and boom, all of a sudden this vision hit me. And it was a vision of the original light of all of creation. I just kind of had this knowing of it. And all of the billions of sparks of light that were all of humanity, though instead of moving away from the original light, all of these billions of sparks of light were going back to their original source. And a few hours later, I was walking around the streets of Paris near the Louvre, and of course, there's thousands of people, men, women, children, dogs, everybody milling about. And in a moment, all of a sudden, I was able to see the spark of light in every single human being that had been those billions of sparks of light that I had seen in that vision. And in that moment, Sean, I felt two things simultaneously. On one hand, I felt the crushing loneliness that every human being has felt since the beginning of time at being separated from one another and from source. And at the same time, simultaneously, I felt juxtaposed against that, the sublime joy at knowing that we're all coming back to our divine united state. And I think that's really what today has been about, Sean. It's about connecting to that divinity, connecting to that joy, even if we might not be vibrationally aligned with one another. How can we get out of our own way, get out of our own judgment, and offer a vibrational hand, if you will, to uplift, inspire, and empower one another, not from a place of judgment or separation or uh, of of differentness, but from a place of oneness, like you so beautifully started off by saying today, Sean, really consciousness is when you get down to it, unitive oneness, it is how we are destined to be. So Sean, I know we're running out of time here today, I would love it if our listeners and viewers could find out where we can connect with you find out more about the incredible work you're doing media wise and all of your other projects, where would we go to connect with you? 
appreciate that. Um, Seanstone.info, my website, is the best um, hub, let's say, for all of uh, my work, my documentaries, books. Um, I've done a couple of workshops recently, The Art of Success and Heart Magic, which I think are both powerful um, courses that people can do interactively, right, with the, the questions for themselves and the guided meditations to, to find some of these things that we're talking about. And um, yeah, I would just suggest uh, Seanstone.info. Perfect, Sean. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm so happy that the universe reconnected us. I will always remember that moment on our terrace as Kaya, your significant other, and I were speaking and Deepak's name came up and then Kaya said, oh yeah, you know, Sean did this thing with Deepak. I was like, wait a second. I swear Sean and I were supposed to talk or we did talk last year. And I just love how the people who are meant to be in your life come into your life. And that really is the moral of the story is, you know, even if you might be thousands of miles apart, whether it's a new friend, a business associate, a soulmate, whoever it might be, know that when you are in vibrational alignment with your purpose, the right people, the right ideas, the right individuals and circumstances will always be there to align with you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness with Jennifer K. Hill. We would love it if you would take a moment and write a review for us or rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you'd like to stay in touch and find out about upcoming events with some of the amazing guests we've had on the show, like Deepak Chopra and other world thought leaders, feel free to join my email list at metabizics, M-E-T-A-B-I-Z-I-C-S dot com. Again, that's metabizics dot com. And you can go ahead and join our email list there. Thanks so much. And we look forward to having you join us next week.